Well, I want to welcome everybody today and also want to say a, a big hello to all those joining us online, along with all the men and women joining us in our correctional ministry, not only out at CCNO, but across our nation, even in other parts of the world like the country of Belize. Man, we love you guys. We're honored to have you a part of our church. Come on, Defiance. Help me welcome our church family today. Come on, let them know. So good. Now, well, before we kind of jump into the message, today is day seven of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I just want to say we've had an incredible first week of drawing near to God. And it just every day we're coming to, together and we're praying for an hour right here in the auditorium. Uh, Monday through Friday, we're here 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. Then on Saturdays from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. And of course, on Sundays, we are here for church. And we'd love for you to join us for one of those days, two of those days, or for the rest of the days because I shared uh, on, on the first day that I, I believe it's truly going to be a catalyst for us in our own personal walks and relationship with Jesus and our families and our marriages, a catalyst for this church and this community and beyond. But one of my favorite moments from this past week, I just wanted to share it with you, uh, was uh, early one morning, I uh, saw three girls uh, around the age of 11 and 12 come down front during prayer, and they grabbed some communion cups, and then they went back on their own, and they took communion together. They prayed over one another, and they celebrated, and they remembered the price that our Savior paid for them on the cross. How powerful is that? And they did it at 6.30 in the morning before school that day, and it's been incredible to see so many students along with so many others Get up early, seek God, and pray first. Now, with that said, we're going to continue on in our series today called Pray First. And I kind of want to start things off by taking a look at a passage of Scripture to, to set the tone for where uh, we want to go today. But I do want you to know today's a little bit on the teachy side. And so if you are a note taker, man, this is your Sunday because we got notes for days today. Um, but, but my heart as a pastor is I want to equip us. As we talk about praying first, uh, that, that, that prayers wouldn't be our last resort, it'd be our first response. Well, as a pastor, I want to equip us in order to do that. And so let's dive into uh, the scripture, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Paul says to pray in the Spirit in every situation. You know, a lot of people can, can think that prayer is just something that we do at church or before we eat a meal, or when we find ourselves in a time of, of need. But here Paul is telling us that we should pray in every situation. At work, in the car, at the grocery store, in school, wherever we are. That, that we don't have to pray for hours on end, but we can and we should pray in every situation. That, that we would have this pray first mentality. That before we go to work, we would pray first. Before we go to school, we would pray first. Before we respond to that email, we would pray first. Before we respond to that, that social media post, maybe we would pray first. Before we respond to that, that text message, that we would pray first in every situation. 
I also think it's important to, to point out in this passage of Scripture that it goes on to say to use every kind of prayer and request that there is. Now, many of us might not even know that there are different kinds of prayers, and there are. And what I want to show us in these next couple of weeks is different prayers in the Bible that people prayed and the different types of patterns that they used. For example, probably one of the most well-known prayers or patterns was given and taught to us by Jesus himself in what is known as the Lord's Prayer. Right, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? And so on and so forth. The whole reason Jesus gave us that prayer and that pattern was because the disciples came to him and they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And, and Jesus gave them that pattern or that outline to follow. Now, there are all kinds of, of prayers and patterns throughout the Bible. And today, I, I want to show us one of my favorite ways to pray. Actually, I had a mentor of mine teach this to me several years ago, and it revolutionized my prayer life. Like, I, I don't know about you, when I first became a, a follower of Jesus, I, I knew prayer was important. I, I knew I needed to do it, but I, I wasn't sure what to say. I wasn't sure how to say it. I didn't know what it was look, to look like. And I remember the first time I really sat down to pray, I remember closing my eyes and going, Lord, our f- f- Father, I- I- higher in the sky, Lord, uh, and then I just began to like pray everything I could possibly think of to pray for. And then I opened my eyes and 30 seconds had went by. And I was like, I'm out of, I'm out of ammo right now. I have, I'm out of material. I don't know what to pray about. I don't know what to say. Maybe you've found yourself in a similar situation or there was some moments early on as, as a Christian, maybe, maybe last week, that I would get up and I'd pray early in the morning and I'd put my head down to pray and then all of a sudden I'd move and look up and an hour had went by. I just went to sleep for an hour. Anybody else do that besides me? I just fell asleep in prayer. And so I want to equip us today with what I'm, I'm calling the prayer of Moses. Now, if you're not familiar with Moses in the Bible, he was the guy that God used to help deliver the Israelites, God's people, out of slavery, oppression, and bondage after 430 years in Egypt. And Moses, scholars believe, led around 4 million Israelites out of Egypt. God parts the Red Sea. They walk over on dry ground. Then Pharaoh and the entire Egyptian army tried to pursue them God causes the waters to come back, killing their enemies right in front of them. And then Moses would take the next 40 years. He would lead the Israelites on a 40-year journey throughout the wilderness or desert or wasteland, if you will, on their way to the promised land, which is now known as modern-day Israel. Now, God had always intended that once they got to the promised land, that they were to build a permanent building for, for God's people to go and worship him, this permanent building for God's presence to dwell. But while they were wandering in the wilderness, if you will, they needed a portable building for God's people to come and worship God and a, a portable building for God's presence to dwell. And so the, the permanent building that they would eventually build in Israel was known as a temple, But the portable building that they were instructed to to build in the wilderness is known as a tabernacle. And so anytime you see that word tabernacle in the Bible or tent of meeting, 
It's simply referring to a portable church, which, by the way, we're very familiar with, a portable church here at Experience Church, because we were portable for seven and a half years. We tabernacled for seven and a half years at the Defiance YMCA. Shout out Rich Seward over at the Y, right? And so we were setting up and tearing down for seven and a half. Praise God for a building. Anybody? All right. Our setup team is grateful, but you know who's really grateful? Our teardown team, right? Everybody's excited about setting it up. Nobody's excited about tearing it down, right? And so we're grateful for that. Now, some people do call this the tabernacle prayer, but let me show it to us in Scripture. Exodus chapter 25, verses 8 and 9. God instructs the people. He says, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. This is important for us to understand. This is always God's heart. God's heart has always been not to be distant or far off or seem uh, far away from us. His heart from the very beginning was to come near and live amongst his people. That's what he wants to do with all of us, that, that we would find a place to pray where we can connect our hearts with him. He goes on to say in verse 9, you must build this tabernacle, this portable church and its furnishings, exactly according to the pattern that I will show you. I want to submit to us that the pattern the tabernacle was built in has some steps that we can follow today in prayer. And so in fact, let me, let me just start off by showing us a, a picture of what the tabernacle would have looked like. Notice it has this, this big a rectangle a border it was made out of fine linen, cloth. Obviously, it couldn't have permanent walls because it was set up and, and torn down all the time. And so uh, it needed to be able to, to do that. And then inside uh, that outside border was six pieces of furniture uh, that the, God's people had to pass through, which we're going to study today. And, and then inside the, 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 that tent that's there in the middle... That's actually the tabernacle. The, the small rectangle tent in the middle of the big rectangle, that's actually the tabernacle or, or the tent of meeting, if you will. And in the back of that little tent was the Ark of the Covenant. Like, have you ever seen uh, Indiana Jones of the Raiders of the Lost Ark? Come on, somebody. That's, that's what they were trying to find there. The only difference is we're not going to get our faces melted off. Uh, nowadays, right? But they actually had it somewhat right in that movie of what it would have looked like. But it's important for us to know that there were seven steps the people had to go through past each piece of furniture, which was the pattern in order to get where God was. But here was the goal. Let me show it to us. Exodus chapter 33, verse 11. Here's the goal. Inside the tent of meeting, Inside the tabernacle, that smaller tent in the middle, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Can I just say that this is what God intended our prayer lives to look like? That it would be a time when we would meet with God in this real, in this personal way. That, that we would encounter God's presence and, 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 and connect our hearts with him in, in such a way that it would mark us. How many of us know that Moses would go in the tabernacle one way and come out the tabernacle different, another way? Why? Because he was in God's presence. 
This is the way God, and God wants to meet with us. He doesn't want to be distant. He, distant. he wants to come down and meet with us face to face as one who speaks to a friend. And so here's what I want to do today, and that is to show us how can we follow this pattern in prayer and experience God's presence in our lives. And so the very first place that the people would go as they entered uh, or pursued the tabernacle or God's presence would be go through the gate. That makes sense, right? If they're going to go to the tabernacle, they've got to go through the gate. And so God's people would walk through the gate as they made their way to God. So anyone who wanted to interact with God, make sacrifices or offerings to him, or be where God's presence was, needed to go through this one and only gate. Now, the walls surrounding the tabernacle, uh, like I mentioned before, they were actually made of white linen. But the gate would have been made of different colors uh, of linen. Uh, there would have been the color blue uh, on the gate, the color of the sky representing a, a heavenly nature. There, there would have been the, the, uh, the color purple uh, on the wall, the, the color of royalty representing kingship. Then it would have been the, the scarlet color on there portraying redemption. All of it had purpose. All of it had meaning. And as the people walked through the gate, they would find themselves, if you're taking notes, the first place, they would find themselves in the outer court. And it's in this place that, that they would have one thing and one thing only in mind, and that was to give God thanks. So when it comes to our, our prayer lives, before, that we, before we would give God our list, before we would present all of our requests to God, before we would think about the more we want, we would thank him for what we already have. How many of us know that gratitude is one of the healthiest emotions we can have? Like, like, like gratitude turns what we have into enough. Gratitude says, man, there's some things that I need, but God, if you never did another thing for me, you've already done enough. Like if you never fix this problem, or if I never get that promotion, or if you never bless me in that way, you've already done enough. God, you saved my soul, you forgave me of my sin, and I'm not going to treat you like some genie in the sky and ask you for more when I haven't even thanked you for what I already have. This is the first step as, God, as God's people would approach to be in his presence. Psalms 104 says it like this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Many of us maybe have heard or read this psalm before, but I think it brings a little bit more meaning of what the psalmist is talking about as we study the, the prayer of Moses or the tabernacle. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. That our prayer time would start with thanksgiving and his courts, the outer courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. And so this is, what, this is what we're doing tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. during our 21 days of, of prayer and fasting that, that will be right here. And the first thing that we're going to do at 6 a.m. is our worship team is going to lead us. And we're going to give God praise for all that we have and all that he has already done. That before we start praying about what we need, before we start presenting our requests, we're going to praise him for what he's done. That we would start our prayers out with thanksgiving. Then as they're in the outer court there, they pass through the gate, 
The first piece of furniture God's people would come to is what is known as the brazen altar. Now, this was an altar that always had dead animals and blood on it. A little gruesome, I know, but the, this altar was always burning, and it was consuming the sacrifices that the people would make because blood had to be shed for the sins that had been committed. Like, you would literally have to walk by this blood, this pile of blood and, and dead animals before you could get to God. Like, like, you were reminded that in order to go to God, something had to die. So what, what does this mean for us today, especially when it comes to, to prayer? Well, if you're taking notes, number two, the, the brazen altar represents for us to focus on the cross. Like the, the only reason we can stand face to face with the holy God is because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. In fact, the Bible even tells us that because of what Jesus did, we can come boldly before the throne room of grace. Because of, of Jesus and the sacrifice of our Savior, he made a way for us to commune with God, just like Moses, as one speaks to, as a friend, face to face. This, I mean, this is a gift we can't take for granted. We can't take God's presence for granted and realize, man, there was a price that was paid, that I've been bought, I've been bought with a price, right? And I no longer live, but the, the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who, who loved me and gave himself for me, that somebody had to die and make a way for, for us to be able to experience his presence. And so, so when it comes to prayer, that we would start off by thanking God. And I try to think of a different reason to thank God every single day. But then after we would get done thanking God for what he's already done, then we would pause and we would remember the cross. We would remember what Jesus went through, the price that he paid and the hor horrific torture that he endured. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 5, verse 6. He says, when we were utterly helpless... I don't know about you, but for me, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. I don't know about you, Christ showed up at just the right time in my life. And so before we would ask God for more, before we would present our list of things we want him to do, that we would stop and remember that we're only able to enter into his presence because of the blood of our Savior, King Jesus. And I love what Isaiah prophesied about hundreds of years before it would even take place about what Jesus did for us on the cross in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. I call it the four wounds of the cross that Isaiah kind of goes through here. He says, but he was pierced. How many of us know that nails were driven into his hands and to his feet? He was pierced for our transgressions. Now, words transgression, it literally means where we go too far. It's a transgression is where we crossed the line. And our hands and our feet represent what we have done. And how I many know Jesus took pain in his hands and in his feet because of what our hands and our feet have done? He goes on to say that he was crushed. And we know that his side was pierced by that spear that, that penetrated and crushed his, his heart. He was crushed for our iniquities. And iniquities are, are different than transgressions. A transgression is, is what we've done, but an iniquity is who we are. How I many we were born with the sin nature? Nobody had to teach us how to lie. Nobody had to teach us how, how to sin. That just kind of came naturally to us. And we have this sin nature and this, this attitude on the inside of us. And Jesus was crushed in his heart so that we could be healed in our hearts. 
on the inside of us. I'm just remembering the cross. I'm just remembering that there was a price. There was a life that was given up so that I could enter into God's presence. And I'm just not taking that for granted. I'm just remembering the nails. And I'm remembering the spear. And it goes on to say the punishment that brought us peace was on him, referring to the crown of thorns. Most scholars believe that those thorns would have been two to four inches long, pressed into his skull, which would have caused the migraine of all migraines. And because of what Jesus did, how many know we can have peace in our minds? Not fear, not anxiety, not worry, not shame, not condemnation, but we can have peace. And I just don't want to take his peace for granted. I just want to pause in my prayer time and say thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for the crown of thorns and the pain that you went through so that I could have peace in my mind and peace in my heart. And then it finishes that, and by his wounds, we are healed. And this is referring to the flogging or the whipping that Jesus took on his back. And not only does Jesus want to uh, heal us physically, but also pl- every, every place in our lives that needs healing. Healing in our relationships, healing in our families, healing in our marriages, healing in our lives. By his stripes, we are healed. This is, the, this is the cross of Jesus. So before we would come to God with our list, how about we thank him for what he's already done? And then we would just pause by the altar, the brazen altar, and we would just remember the blood that was shed for us. I think it's important to point out that, that we can pray this prayer in five minutes or, or we can do a deep dive and pray for an hour, this pattern of prayer. But after we would pass by the brazen altar, we would come to this, this bowl called the laver. It would have water in the bottom and obviously a bowl of water up top. And it's interesting that that bowl on, on the top, the bottom of that bowl was actually made out of mirrors. And so when you would go down to, to wash your face, you would see your reflection looking back at you, re- reminding you of what you were doing at that station, what you were doing at that piece of furniture. Because this was the, this was the place you would start washing parts of your body and making them clean before you would get to God. So, so what does this look like in, in prayer? Uh, number three, if you're taking notes, the labor is where we offer every part of our life to God. I mean, we could, we, could, we could spend a lot of time in this place. We can deal with a lot of things. We can come before God and say, God, I, those habits, those things that I've been doing, or, or those emotions I've been letting get the best of me, or the attitude I had with that person. There's a lot of things that we could talk to God about here, but I love how Paul puts it in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy... I love that you kind of start to see the, the way the word is, is written. Like, in view of God's mercy, I just get the picture of the brazen altar. In view of God's mercy, I'm just looking back. I'm at the labor, but I'm looking back at the brazen altar, and I'm remembering the sacrifice of my Savior. In view of God's mercy in my life, in view of what Jesus has done for us, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is, this is your spiritual act of worship. How many of us know the heart of worship is when we simply come before God and says, and we say, here I am, all of me, all of me. Here's my life. A practical way that we can offer our bodies as living sacrifices to God. Something that I do every once in a while as I follow this pattern in my prayer life is I just go through just the physical things. Like I just say, God, here's my mind. I'm going to set my mind on things above today. 
I'm going to do what Paul tells me to do in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. I'm going to think about whatsoever things are true, lovely, excellent, praiseworthy. Right? I'm going to set my mind on those things. I'm going to do what Paul tells me in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. I'm going to take captive every thought, and I'm going to make it obedient to Christ. I'm going to make sure that I'm not going to let any garbage, I'm not going to meditate on any junk in my mind today. I know this is a powerful point in prayer, that I, before I even start my day, I'm a, here's my mind today, God. I'm going I'm to set my mind on things above, and I'm going to make sure I don't meditate on anything that's not going to help me accomplish what you place in my heart. It's not going to help me be a better dad, a better husband, a better leader, a better follower of Jesus. If it's not going to help me, why am I thinking about it? I give you my mind today. And then I go on, God, I give you my eyes. And I'm not going to look at anything I shouldn't today. I'm not going to watch something. I'm not going to click on anything. God, I give you my eyes today. God, I give you my ears today. I'm not going to listen to any gossip or slander. God, there's so many voices in the world. God, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your voice today. God, I give you my ears. God, I give you my mouth. I give you my mouth today. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 tells me to not to let any unwholesome uh, talk come out of my mouth except for what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So today, God, I give you my mouth. I'm not going to let any unwholesome talk come out of my mouth today. God, I'm going to give you my hands. Help me use these hands to bring you glory. Help me use these hands to be a blessing to somebody else today. God, I give you my feet. Whatever you want me to do, God, direct my steps. My life is yours. Come on, this is a pattern that we can pray and and now, now at this point, after we've, we've washed ourselves and, and we've dealt with attitudes and emotions and we've offered our bodies, now we can actually move into the tabernacle. Now we can go into that little tent. Now, and as we go into that little tent, the first piece of furniture inside the tabernacle is the candlestick or the lampstand. And this was a, a seven-pronged candlestick that represented fire, come on, power, anointing, ability, gifts. Don't you love the first thing that you get, you get to, to deal with as you enter into God's presence is God goes, I want to give you power. I want to give you ability. I want to anoint you. I want to give you gifts. I want to help you be all that I've called and created you to be. So what does this mean for us in prayer? If you're taking notes, I know that you are. It's crazy. Number four is the candlestick means to invite the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Like, didn't Jesus say in the New Testament that that was more profitable for him to go away? Because then, then the helper, the advocate, the comforter, the Holy Spirit can come and live on the inside of us. And he would teach us all things. He'd bring all things that Jesus said to our remembrance. He'd convict us of sin to help us stay on the right path. He'd bring wisdom and understanding into our minds. He produced the fruit of the whole, uh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives, right? Love, joy, peace, goodness, faithfulness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, right? Against such there is no law. Come on now, you with me? The Holy Spirit wants to empower me to live out the plan and the purpose that, that God has for us. And so what does this look like in just our everyday lives? We just say, Holy Spirit, kind of like David prayed in the Psalms, point out anything in me that doesn't belong. Holy Spirit, I give you permission to speak into my life. I'm Do a work in my heart. Holy Spirit, I remember one time I prayed this prayer. I said, Holy Spirit, show me any areas of my life where I'm, I'm, I'm proud, I'm selfish, and it's all about me. How I many know that's a dangerous prayer? Praise God, he didn't have nothing. There was nothing for him to show me. But I took a risk. I'm just telling you. I'm teasing, right? There was, might have been one thing or two. 
or 7,462. But I'm still working on them, right? But I'm just opening my, myself up. Why? Because that's his job, to help me, to help me live out who, and be who God's called me to be. So, and let me invite him into my, into my life and let me be sensitive to his voice. Holy Spirit, I want, to, I want to be sensitive to what you're saying. If I'm a business leader, man, I'm praying, Holy Spirit, help me lead my staff today. Help me lead my business today. Help, help me, give me the right relationships and, and connections. And help me honor you with what you've entrusted to me. If we're a student, man, we pray, Holy Spirit, help me, help me, help me know the answers to the, the questions on this test I didn't study for. Come on, somebody. Just move my pen, Holy Spirit. I, I, didn't work like that, but it would be cool if it did, right? I would, have, I would have graduated from high school if that would have been the case. I'm just telling you. Holy Spirit. <laughs> Holy Spirit, do work in me. Second right? Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 through 7. This, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you. Come on, how many know we got to fan it into flame? Why do you think we're getting up at 5.30 in the morning and coming in here at 6 a.m.? It's not because we're not tired or wouldn't want to sleep in, but we're trying to fan into flame what God's doing in our lives, what God's doing in our families, what God's doing in our marriage. Fan it into flame because right now some of us, man, we, our embers are barely burning. They're barely burning, and we need to posture and position ourselves in prayer for God to... Let me breathe on that. Let me blow on that and cause that fire to, to start again. Come on, I'm going I'm to fan into flame what God's doing. In my, I want to dream again. Anybody else? I want to believe again. I want hope to arise again. So let me fan it into flame. God says, come on, I want to I blow on that. But you've got to position and posture yourself, posture yourself in such a way that I can. God's, in other words, I, God's got a calling on our lives. That there's a plan and purpose that God has for us, and he's given us the Holy Spirit to help us live it out. He goes on to say, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a power. Come on, somebody. Love and self-discipline. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, do a work in me. Help me be a better dad today. Help me be a better husband today. Help me respond. Me and my wife got into that intense fellowship, hypothetically, the other day. How do you want me to respond? One of the, one of the reasons I think that... Our marriage is so amazing, babe, is because after we've, we get into that intense fellowship, we, we go off, we storm off, and then, but we invite God's presence in. How I many it's hard to hold a grudge when you allow God's presence into your life. It's hard to be resentful. And this is what she does, not me. <laughs> but if one of us can do it, come on, it's a recipe that maybe we can get there, right? But no, I just allow God. It's, it's, it's hard to have a calloused heart when we're inviting the Holy Spirit in, isn't it? It's hard to stay on the wrong path of sin when I'm inviting the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. All right, we're just walking through the tabernacle prayer today, guys. One station at a time. The next piece of furniture on the other side of the room, we're in the tabernacle now, right? The lampstand was the first, the candlestick, and then on the other side of the room would be the table of showbread or shoebread, however you want to say that, spelled right. I just want you to know that. My staff asked me, I think there's a typo. No, there's not. It's a knee. But I don't know why. There would be, on this table, though, there would be 12 hot, freshly baked loaves of bread smelling so, so good. Like, it reminds me of, like, Texas Roadhouse, right? <laughs> when they bring out those hot, fresh rolls and then you dip it in the cinnamon butter, and it melts the butter. <laughs> then, it, 
Doesn't it sound so good in these 21 days of praying and fasting? Like, man, what I wouldn't do for, for a hot roll from Texas Roadhouse right now. Do it, God. Do it. But when it comes to prayer, right, when we're at this table, we're at this piece of furniture, what does this mean for us? It means in prayer that we would start claiming the promises in God's word over our lives. I, am a, I would just suggest to us that we would include scripture reading in our prayer time. I mean, there's a lot of voices we hear. I want to hear God's voice in prayer. So let me just start reading his word and let God speak into me as I'm posturing myself before him. And that we would find a, just a promise in God's word to claim over our lives. I mean, Jesus even used this when he was being tempted by the enemy of our soul in the wilderness while he was fasting. Come on, somebody. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. How many of us know we eat physical food every day, and we need to eat spiritual food every day, too? I mean, even if it's just a little bit of God's word, that's still better than none of God's word. And then the next piece of furniture after the, 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 the table of showbread, right, it, it would be the altar of incense. Now, it, th- this altar had actually coals <clears throat> from the outside brazen altar that made it burn, and it had incense burning on it, it, it and it smelled like bath and body works, I promise. It, it was just so sweet. It smelled so good. And when it comes to prayer, the, the altar of incense, number six, simply means that we would worship his name. I mean, worship is a sweet fragrance to heaven. And I wanted to point out, worship is different than praise. We, when, we pray, when we talked about praising God at the beginning, we're thanking God for what he's already done. But when we worship God, we worship him simply for who he is. And so worship isn't, God, I thank you for this, and I I thank you for that. Worship is saying, God, you're worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. You're worthy, God, and I worship you simply for who you are. Psalm 95, verse 6 through 7 says, come, come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Notice the position. Notice the posture. No, he's above it all. There is no one above him. There is no one beside him. I know he sits on a throne all by himself. Let's kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock underneath his care. Do you, do you recognize the posture the psalmist is taking here? This is a true act of worship. I'm honoring and worshiping you for who you are. So we would bow down in worship signifying that he's above us, that we're not on his level. And we can do this physically. We can kneel on our, on our knees, and that's powerful. But at the same time, I think it's important that we would also bow our hearts, that I would bow my heart before God, and I would yield to who he is and who he wants to be in my life. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10 says like this, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. How many of us know that there's power in God's name? So at this point in prayer, man, we would just start calling out the names of God. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider when, when my life seems to be lacking. He's Jehovah Shalom, man. He's my, he's my peace when life seems chaotic. He's Jehovah Nisi, man. He's my banner of victory when I'm feeling defeated. And he defends me and he guides me and he protects me. And, and we worship his name. 
And then finally, we come to the, the, the last piece of furniture that would be in the very back of, of the tabernacle, that smaller tent in the middle of the outer court. And there we would find the Ark of the Covenant. And on the top of the Ark were, were two angels facing one another, covering their, their faces with their wings. And in the middle, the middle of that was called the mercy seat. And right in the middle is where God dwelled, right between their wings. And so... The question is, what do we do when we find ourselves face-to-face with God? And when we get to this, this point in the prayer, I, I want to point out that, that we've already really dealt with us. We, we've already thanked God. We've already remembered the cross. We, we've already washed and dealt with some attitudes and habits and offered our bodies as living sacrifices. Unto him. We've already invited the, the Holy Spirit to, to do a, a work in our lives, like we've already got into God's word, we've already done a lot of work on ourselves, and now, now that we're here, number seven, the Ark of the Covenant simply means that we would intercede for others, that we would stand before God and we would ask Him to do in someone else's life what He's already done in ours. I mean, this is what our prayer wall is all about. You'll notice on the sides, you'll see all the sticky notes. And these are names of people who don't know Jesus. These are names of people who don't know where home is yet. And it's been powerful this, this past week to, to see people kneel at this, our, our wailing wall. And I, I watched one individual just weep on their knees, crying out for their loved ones, crying out for the people who don't know Jesus yet, seeing people lay hands on these names. How many know this is why we exist? This is why we do what we do for those who aren't here yet. Why do we do this? Because someone did it for us, didn't they? I'm like, I don't know about you, but I'm here. I'm, I'm a product of someone else's prayers. I stand before you today because I had some family members who got on their face day in and day out, month after month, week after week, year after year, and they interceded on my behalf. I'll never forget what my, my grandmother, Nana, used to do. Back when I was incarcerated, she used to write me a letter every single week. And just so you know, when you're incarcerated and you get a letter, it's like gold. Because it's like, it's like you, get, you get to touch something from the outside, right? And so it's like gold. And I had a love-hate relationship with these letters because it was, it was like gold. Someone was writing me, but I knew what was in the letter. It was scriptures. She's telling me about Jesus, how much Jesus loved me. And I really wasn't down to hear that at that point in time in my life, if I'm honest with you. But I, I, I wasn't doing anything else. So <laughs> I had a lot of time in my hands. You can only do so many push-ups. So I would read those letters. Little did I know, she was reminding me of not only how much she loved me, but reminding me and telling me how much God loved me that he believed in me. She was planting seed on me, y'all, and I didn't even recognize it. She knew what she was doing. And later on, after I became a Christian, she told me the story that when her arthritis got really bad, her hands became stuck like this, and she could no longer write those letters. So what she would do is she would get Grandpa up, Papa, She'd wake him up at six in the morning and they would go downstairs to the dining room table and she would tell Papa what to write to me when I was incarcerated. Tell Kyle how much we love him. Tell Kyle how much God still believes in him. Tell Kyle that God still has a plan for his life. And she interceded on my behalf. 
I know that's what we're called to do. That we're not a dead sea, that we just receive the love, receive the life, receive the grace, receive the forgiveness. No, that we, that we would be a flowing river, that I receive it, but man, I would give it away. That I receive it, man, and I'm standing in the gap but for someone else. Why? Because someone stood in the gap for me. We'll close with this off. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. I urge, I plead, I beg, first of all, that petitions and prayers and intercession and thanksgiving that would be made for all people, everyone, everyone, that we would stand in the gap for everyone who doesn't know where home is yet. And we would see God do what only he can. I just want to encourage us today as we close to use this pattern in prayer. We don't have to understand Moses or tabernacles or furniture. We just need those seven phrases to remember and watch God do something special in our lives as we simply pray first. Would you pray with me today? Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for, for your plans and your purposes for us. God, thank you that there's purpose and meaning in everything. Thank you for the way you pursue us how you believe in us. The truth is, God, nobody loves us the way you do. Nobody stands beside us the way you stand beside us. Nobody keeps cheering us on the way you keep cheering us on. Thank you for how you love us. Thank you how you restore us and you redeem us on the inside of us. Only you have this ability to touch the depths of who we are and bring a life and a freedom purpose and a meaning into us. God, there was no one like you, God. There was no one above you. There was no one beside you. God, you sit on a throne all by yourself, and we worship you for who you are. God, we thank you that you're a God who still does miracles. You still work all things together for our good. God, you're moving in our midst. I pray faith would arise in us today. Hope would arise in us today. God, we're pursuing you. We're, we're praying first. God, we know as we draw near to you, you draw near to us. God, we just say more of you today, less of us. That you would increase, God, and we would decrease. And now we're, as we're praying together today with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would say, man, I, I don't have a relationship with God, or maybe you walked with him at one point in time, but you've drifted from him. You're not right with him today. Maybe you've been around the things of God, but you've never entered into that relationship. You've never came with that true act of worship and said, here's my heart, Here, here's my life, here's all of me. I'm gonna give you that opportunity today because it was the best decision I ever made. If that's you, wherever you're at, maybe you're watching online, joining us in person. If that's you, would you just lift your hand to heaven? Here I am, God. I wanna know you. I wanna have a relationship with you. I know you have a plan for my life. And it starts with a surrender. Here's my life, God. And right where you're at, would you just pray this prayer with me? Say, God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to pay the price for my sin on the cross. Thank you for loving me, believing in me, and making a way for me to be forgiven and set free. God, here's my heart today, what you've always wanted. Not my money, not my good works, my heart. Here's my heart. God, forgive me my sin. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live, God. My life is yours. In Jesus' name.
And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's celebrate all those who crossed over from death to life.